Good morning, everyone. I am so excited to uh, be back with you today, getting to share a little bit of my heart about um, grace and what that has meant to me in my life. Hopefully it will serve as an encouragement uh, for you um, and that we can all grow even more and more freshly squeezed um, with grace um, to pour out into the lives of others. Uh, so to get started, I'm gonna go ahead and read our scripture and then I'll jump into some time of prayer. Today we're gonna be in First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians um, 6, and I am going to be focused specifically on um, verses 1 through 13. Um, there's definitely a lot of great stuff at the end of the chapter, um, but just where I'm going to launch from is um, 1 through 13. So let me go ahead and read that. 2 Corinthians 6, um, 1 through 13. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we recommend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affliction, affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. Let's pray. God, I just wanna thank you so much um, for the way that you continuously pour grace on us. Um, and I just want to ask um, that you would pour grace on me as I'm sharing some of my heart this morning, that you would pour grace on the people who are listening, um, that it would truly um, touch their hearts, that they would see um, and delight in and meditate on the grace that you have poured out to us, and that in turn we could pour it out to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I just want to start by saying that I am extremely um, humbled and a little bit nervous to even share today. Um, this is something that the Lord has been really convicting me of lately, is that I don't always um, live in a way that is reflective of the grace he has given to me. Um, so as I was praying and reflecting before I started recording, I was feeling extremely inadequate. Um, and it just got me thinking, uh, even just now as I was praying, about how inadequate we are basically all of the time um but we're so unaware of it sometimes and it's truly interesting to me how this morning as i'm teaching on grace i'm feeling inadequate um and so i want us to just hold on to that uh for a minute because we are going to circle right back to it very soon um, but I just think it's really important that regardless of where we are especially as we're thinking about grace this morning um if you're feeling inadequate that's a good place to be. Um, and I'll talk about why in just a second. I'm actually really, really excited about it. 
Um, okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is just what is grace and how do we receive it? Uh, so going back to verse one, it says, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What I love about this scripture is that it doesn't say we appeal to you to receive grace or we appeal to you to do X, Y, Z to receive grace. Instead, it just says we appeal to you to not receive grace the grace of God in vain. And as I tell my students, um, there's kind of an, uh, like an inference that we have to make there. There's an implication. And that's this idea that um, if we're being commanded not to receive it in vain, then the idea is there that we must be receiving it. We must be receiving grace. What I love about this and what is so cool is the fact that just like I said a second ago, like I feel inadequate and that does not disqualify us from receiving grace. In fact, it's kind of a prerequisite. Not feeling like we deserve grace and not really believing that we've done something to earn it is necessary for grace to exist. What I mean by this is um, when I was little, we always had the different the question of like, well, what's the difference between grace and mercy? And um, I remember saying this from a very young age is, um, uh, mercy is not getting something that we do deserve, like a punishment, but grace is getting a gift that we don't deserve. And that whole idea of inadequacy um, really plays into this idea of like, we don't deserve it. I do not deserve grace. I do not deserve to be like anointed with the Holy Spirit um, to share what's on my heart and to teach you um, and to jump into the word. Like, I don't deserve that grace. And that actually is the reason why it's grace, because I don't deserve it. Um, it's so cool how, uh, we have received grace and it's already been done. So it's like also, not only do we not receive it, but it's like finished. It's been accomplished. We get grace. There's really no questions about it. So like God gives us his grace and he continuously gives it to us, um, every single day, regularly independent from our own actions. Um, now I don't know about you, but for me, a type A person who likes to be in control and likes to, um, be kind of, uh, in charge of my own destiny and doing things, um, because I know what the results are going to be. This can sometimes be a hard pill to swallow, not because we don't want grace, um, but simply because we don't feel like we've deserved it. Maybe it doesn't feel just. Um, I always think about the fact that like, I want to be perfect in order to receive God's grace. I want to do what's right. It reminds me of a conversation I was having with my roommate, Jamie, a couple of days ago. And I'm just really praying through this situation um, where I want to talk to someone that I know about something um, that is a pretty like heavy topic. And um, I'm not sure if this is out of my own selfishness, if it's out of like a desire for like something greater good to come out of it, if it's just because I need closure and clarity, like I'm just not sure, to be honest. Um, still, even sitting here <laughs> a couple days after um, I've talked to her and I've been praying about it for like months. And, um, and I just said to Jamie, I was like, Jamie, what bothers me the most is that I just want to know what is right. Like, I just want to know that I'm doing the right thing. And, and so if it's to keep my mouth shut and go about my way, then I want to do that. But if it's to step into the discomfort, but also for the possibility of, um, of getting closure, getting clarity, um, potentially even redemption, then I want to do that. And I just don't know what is right. And, um, 
of course, Jamie and her wisdom <laughs> looked at me and said something along the lines of, um, in a very eloquent way, better than I'm going to summarize here. Well, Kristen, like, I don't think that's the point. I think the point is that you're communing with God and you're leaning on God, um, in this situation. And honestly, <laughs> it floored me. It was one of those things where as she was saying it, I was like, Oh, that's exactly what you needed to hear. The point is not that I do the right things, that I say the right things, and that I have the right actions. The point is that I'm communing with God and I'm living with God in the midst of those moments and I'm reaching out to him for guidance, regardless of whether I do what is right or perfect or not. Um, and I love how this is such a good picture of grace because so many times we think of grace as being like a transactional thing. But as soon as it becomes transactional, it's actually kind of deficient. It's no longer grace. Um, I think about an old hymn and I love the hymn, don't get me wrong, but there's this line in an old hymn that says um, uh, something about being a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. And I don't sing that line. <laughs> I sing that song. And the reason why is because the, uh, am I a debtor? Yes, I'm absolutely in debt. Um, but I'm not constrained in that debt. It's not like a transaction where he paid it and now I've got to like keep paying him back. It's because I don't deserve Christ's sacrifice and because I don't deserve his love that it becomes grace. And that's what makes it so beautiful and so incredible is that I don't deserve it. Um, I also think about um, my students. So as I was teaching a couple of weeks ago, um, we had the inauguration on January 20th. And one thing that we um, do is anytime we have any like major um, like world history or US history event, we will kind of pause our day, change our schedules and really build it around whatever's going on so we can incorporate it into our lessons. So for the inauguration, um, we changed around our schedule and we watched pretty much the whole inauguration, um, the parade, um, all the speeches, poems, songs, everything, uh, which was just like a really cool moment to get to talk through those things with the kids. But one of the things that we did as we were watching was we saw um, the different singers and, uh, oh gosh, I can't even remember who it was. I think it was Garth Brooks. Um, nobody kill me if that's not who it was, uh, sang Amazing Grace. And, you know, very familiar song to many of us, especially to me. And so I'm, you know, just like walking around the classroom, watching the kids, making sure they're watching it and paying attention. And Amazing Grace is being sung. And one of my students um, raises his hand and says, Miss Phelps, who's Grace? And I don't remember if he said something of like, why are they singing about her at the inauguration or something like that? But it was just a sheer confusion of Grace. And this moment, it hits me that the amazing grace I have been singing about since I was I, like born um, is unfamiliar to some people. The population that I teach, um, I would say is um, predominantly either um, Muslim or atheist. Um, and then we have um, some kids who are um, Catholic or Christian thrown in there. Um, but I'm like looking around the room and I asked this question. I said, raise your hand if you know what grace means. And no one raised their hand in this entire classroom of 20 children. Um, one kid was kind of like, mm, maybe, um, but no one really had any idea. And it was so cool because I got to stop and I got to talk to my kids about grace. And of course, I'm sitting there thinking nothing in life 
has like been more me than this moment right here. I get to talk about grace while I'm being a teacher. This is amazing. And so, um, so I set it up for the kids and I said, well, grace is actually when you get something you don't deserve. I was like, for example, if we are, um, you have like a huge project that's due for homework and you come in that day and you say, Miss Phelps, I forgot to do my project. I didn't do it. I could say to you, okay, I'll give you a grace period. I'll give you another week to get the project done. I was like, that's grace. Um, is that idea that like you didn't really do anything to deserve the extra time, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, because I've decided to give you grace. And then, and then they were like, okay. And I was like, but this song is actually called Amazing Grace. And I was like, and so there are some religious tones to this, some religious tones, haha. Um, and I was like, okay, so last year we talked about um, different world religions. We learned like the major world religions, had them name them. Um, and then I said, okay, we're specifically going to talk about Christianity. And I said, so as we learned last year in Christianity, um, we believe, and the kids know I'm a Christian. Like we, it's, it's like a pretty open dialogue. Um, and, uh, I just said, you know, I believe that everyone is, um, a sinner and has failed, but that, um, Jesus came to earth and lived a perfect life and, um, died to, um, save us from, from that sin and that brokenness. And, um, and I was like, and we would call that grace. Now, what part of that would be considered grace? And so one of my kids, um, he's Catholic and he was like very excited to raise his hand. It was adorable. He um, raised his hand and he um, was like, well, I mean, Jesus died on a cross for our sins. Like, and he did not deserve it like we did. And all the other kids were like looking around and being like, but why? And they were like, didn't you say that Jesus was God? Like, why, why would he do that? And it was just such an incredible moment. One, just to like be blown away from how much I don't want grace to become stale in my life and to be something that I just get used to. Especially as I was talking to kids who for the first time were learning about how incredible grace is. Um, I really didn't want to get to that place where, um, where I'm taking it for granted. Um, but two, I think it was so cool how it was just such a clear depiction of like kids who don't even know Jesus, um, people who don't even understand the sacrifice that he gave for us can still understand how mind blowing it is that someone would do something so big when the people didn't even deserve it. And I just love that that's the picture of grace. And that's what we have been offered. Um, it really makes me want to like come to him as a child, like for the first time and, and just be blown away by this sacrifice um, that would be made. So we see in that uh, first verse that grace is something that we receive. Um, it's not anything that we earn. It's not anything that we can do. And that we're um, that Paul was appealing to the Corinthians to not receive it in vain. So then we have to think about, okay, so what does it mean to not receive it in vain? So we look at the rest of um, the passage and it says, for he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. And then he goes on and begins to describe what that grace looks like. Um, and what I love about this is that grace 
is not just something that we receive and then we just live idly and do nothing about it. But grace is something that when we receive, it demands a reaction. Um, it doesn't demand it from that constraining, from the transactional need, but rather it demands it from thanksgiving. It's not an obligation, it's praise. It's, it's the natural reaction to being given such a great gift. And I think sometimes it can be hard to remember that and it can be hard to live out of grace, but when that's the case, it's because we're not really remembering what's been done for us. We're not really remembering how incredible and awe-inspiring this amazing grace is. And the way that if it's truly that amazing, which it is, we're going to respond to it. My students were shocked that something like grace would even make sense um, in any sort of context. But even though they were shocked, they were immediately also in awe of it. And I want to encourage us to really be in awe of it as well um, and to respond out of that all. We sing praise and uh, thanksgiving for that grace because it is awe-inspiring. In verse 13, it says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. And so we know first that grace is receiving a gift that we absolutely like don't deserve, we're inadequate for. But then the second thing that I'm really seeing in this passage is that the response is to widen our hearts. Um, grace being freshly squeezed from our lives will result in a widening. Um, widening it to those who are different from us, those who make us angry, those who push against our pressure points, etc. It's difficult, but we love simply because he first loved us. And I want to go back to this idea again, that the way that we begin to widen our hearts takes practice, not practice of doing the right thing of saying, oh, okay, I'm really going to be patient with people today and show them grace. But instead, a practice of sitting in the grace of God, reveling in it, being awed by it, being grateful and giving praise for the fact that we receive something that we absolutely did not deserve. Grace begets grace. When we understand the grace that we've been given, it is going to prompt us to live in grace toward others. I want to say that again because it's so huge and it's something I've been meditating a lot on this week as I've been prepping for this teaching. Understanding the grace we've been given prompts us to live in grace toward others. I think about the name of this sermon series, Freshly Squeezed. And if you uh, know anything about me, you know that I love orange juice. Orange juice is one of my favorite beverages in the entire world. And I just think about every morning when I'm like pouring my glass of orange juice, this idea that as the cup is getting full, it's getting closer and closer to overflowing. And so I picture this freshly squeezed grace being poured out into our lives but it get it to the point where because our hearts are so full of the grace God has given us that it begins to overflow into the lives of those around us. It's so easy to say, well, I want to be a more gracious person. I want to do this. I want to practice that. Um, but I don't know how. I feel like I have to do more. And yet we don't have to do more. We are always going to be inadequate for the grace that we've been given. But when that grace is poured into our lives, when we are given that grace, we are reflecting on that grace, we're appreciating that grace, we are naturally going to become more gracious with the people who are around us. 
And what will it look like to be more gracious with the people around us? I want to jump back into verse 2 through 10. This is kind of the biggest section of the text. But I love that Paul spends so much time telling us exactly what it is going to look like in order um, to be like super gracious people. Not in order to be super gracious people, but like what the results of that overflowing of grace will be. Um, So it says, behold, now is the favorable time. Now. I love how he says now. Right now. Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. So the first way that we're looking super gracious is by not putting obstacles in people's um, way and not trying to prevent them or make it more difficult for them um, to really come and see the grace of God. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. So first of all, it's going to look like endurance patience. That's what I struggle with for sure, but it's going to look like patience in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. When I read that list in verse six, I'll be honest that I creep back into those feelings of inadequacy, of being able to say like, I am not a perfect person. I do not always do things right. I can tell you 20 times this week alone that I haven't always been pure, knowledgeable, patient, kind, filled with the Holy Spirit, or genuinely loving. But that's why it's so powerful. It's because it doesn't come from me. The grace is not coming from me choosing to be those things. The grace is from reflecting on Christ's actions living in the good things that he has done for me and done for all of us and then choosing to humbly submit to that and trust that it will pour out into my life. It says in verse seven, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true as unknown and yet well-known as dying, and behold, we live, as punished, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. I love that list that he gives us in verses um, 8 through 10. It's talking about all kinds of circumstances. Um, When we are living in grace, the circumstances that we are in like won't determine whether we're gracious to other people or not. There's so many stories in scripture. I think about like Paul in um, the, uh, when he was in jail and he was praising God that we talked about in our last series uh, where he was in the worst of the worst circumstances. And he says, um, I believe it's in Philippians. He says, like, I, I count it all joy when I face trials of many kinds. And I know that through all things, um, I, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. And this is the description of that, is that we are able to be gracious even when we're being slandered. We are able to be gracious even when we're being dishonored. We are able to be gracious even when we're unknown, even when we're dying, even when we're punished, even when we're sorrowful. And we're also able to be gracious when we're honored and praised. Sometimes I think that's the harder one, uh, is when I'm in a good place and I'm Feeling kind of lofty is when it's difficult to be grace. What's so important about this section is that it's showing us clearly 
that the grace is not going to come from us. Our circumstances are not going to determine the grace because again, we are inadequate for it. We do not deserve it. Our circumstances change nothing about the grace that we've been given and therefore they change nothing about the grace that we can give to others. And I wanna ask today, are we being gracious to those around us? Or are we holding tight to what is just in our own eyes? Um, for just a moment, I want to be really transparent and just share a little bit of my heart and of where I struggle with this. I am the kind of person who sees most things as um, pretty black and white. I tend to be very justice driven and what is the right thing, what is the perfect thing, what is the good thing that should happen in each situation. And yet I find over and over again that that's not always what's glorifying the Lord. Um, I think about the times when I would truly be able to step back and say like, have, like was I gracious in that moment? Yes. And it's not because I necessarily did what was right or because I necessarily did what was just and perfect. It's because I spent time in the Word. It's because I gave it all to the Lord. I prayed for strength and wisdom. And then I let my joy come from the grace that He had given me and not from the circumstances or the outcome of the situation. I wanna pray that we would all be more gracious today um, and throughout our lives and that we would be so filled with the grace of God. Not gracious because it's the right thing to do, not gracious because we've been practicing it a lot, but gracious because we've been communing with the one who was so gracious to us. Delight in the grace you've been given, practice soaking in that grace regularly, and pray that God would give you the opportunities to pour it out onto others. Let's pray. God, I ask that you um, would just help us today to fully see, experience, um, love, and dwell in your grace. I'm so unbelievably thankful for the grace that you have given us, um, that you've given me, that in the midst of my selfishness and my fear and my pride, that you continue to give me grace that you continue to remind me of the grace that has been accomplished in my life and that you graciously let me live in communion with you. I ask that you would help us all to reflect on that grace in our own lives and that naturally, not forced, not decided upon, but naturally as an outpouring of the grace you've given us, that you would help us to be gracious to those around us and to love them deeply. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.